district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, fought the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome to a special Monday Night Tailgate. We're at the tail end of a crazy week nine. I mean, this is why we love the game, guys. This is why we just cannot get enough of fantasy. The NFL is, you know, our version of a soap opera. It's got to be. You've got Jeff Saturday, Coach Saturday now for my Colts. I don't even know what to think about that. So I'm curious to know what you think, Dan, and what our huge guest today thinks, our returning guest. Just so much happened, guys, over the weekend. Huge upsets with the Packers. Uh, the Bills got beat. So much to talk about, Dan. I mean, I didn't even know where to start when we started putting this thing together for today. So let's jump right into it. We got our boy Justin Herzing back in the district. You know him from Own the Moment. You know him from ETR, Establish the Run. You know him as a big DFS beast. Justin, welcome back to the district, brother. Gentlemen, appreciate it. How are we doing tonight? Man, doing great. Looking forward to getting a hopefully a good game in tonight and uh, and moving out of this this crappy sixteen bye week. <laughs> the the by the by Mageddon, right? The by Mageddon. Yeah. Did you survive through uh, Justin by Mageddon? I did. Um, I mean, when you have a large enough portfolio, there's always something taking a hit and always something moving up. Um, it's uh, it, it's hard to cut. You know, I'm I'm having the best ball street, so. Uh, this is about the time of year that I really start keeping track of advance rate and things like that. But overall, um, you know, you, it ebbs and flows. Yep, exactly. And it's a lot easier to handle with the uh, with the best balls and everything. I don't worry about it too much there. And the managed leagues are really the ones that um, you got to pay attention to. So, and that I know that I know that's not like your huge forte. So, uh, probably 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 you were tearing a little bit less hair out than uh, me and JD were. That's fair. You guys, you guys get to hear me kind of uh, just still learning the ways of the FFPC sites and stuff. Because yep. I think literally I'm only in like one league and it's with you guys. And it's just because like, hey, you know, there's some guys that I like. I'm going to join for the camaraderie and stuff for the fun. And uh, I mean, I think what probably on average the people in there have how many how many FFPC leagues each? 20, 50, yeah, 70? I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I would say probably at least. 50 or so on average. Yeah, I was going to so. say the over-under is probably 45 and a half. I'd put it at 45 and a half, probably maybe a bit a bit higher. Uh, some serious beats there. I was I don't know about you, Dan, but the the, the managing leagues were, were looking red this weekend. I think we have a couple big Ws uh, that we're working on. But the, the best ball leagues looking pretty good so far. Hopefully we can all pull out some, uh, some big wins. But guys, I mean, this weekend had so much going on. Like I said, we'll start it off. We'll see where this goes. We've got a show sheet. You know, we'll, we're, what we're trying to do with the tailgate is hit the big headlines, right? That are coming out of the weekend and place them for you in fantasy. Let you know how this affects your rosters, how you can play off of this, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're playing redraft or dynasty in the high stakes streets. So guys, let's get into it. I touched on it a bit. Justin, how do you feel about coach Saturday Reich getting the, the boot out of there, you, you, you know, you, you had to see this coming with the way the teams perform. And how does this affect the big pieces? Like you've got JT, you've got Pittman there. How does it affect them? How are you playing this in Colts, in Colts land? Or are you just kind of staying away from Indy? Yeah, I mean, I think when they made the decision to bench Pat Ryan, yeah, you had the injury aspect, but like they made it very clear that like, you know, even though there's an injury, this is a clear benching. Sam Ellinger is our guy for the rest of this season going forward, you know, barring new injury. And I think once that announcement made, like, hey, we knew this was a tanking season. Like, this was – there was a strong quarterback class next year. 
that team, what, gone through five quarterbacks in five years, like this was the opportunity to not go seven and eight and just, you know, miss the playoffs. Even if you make, you know, even if you get that seven to eight seed, like that wasn't the best for their franchise. They made that decision. Uh, from there, I think like, hey, you know, I don't think Frank Reich would have actually dealt a, you know, a, a fair shot with this, with the quarterback situation that he had in the team. But like, it is what it is. They make the decision. These things happen. And now I think it is, well, okay, so you look internally. You're not going to do a coaching search, obviously, directly now and bring in some of the outsides. So you bring someone who is a bit of a wild card. Everyone loves Jeff Saturday, but, like, obviously he doesn't have the coaching experience. He went, what, three and seven in the last high school that he was coaching? Like, obviously you don't have that kind of any form of a resume. Uh, but the question becomes, like, hey, this is the opportunity to give him a chance, see what he does, see if he can actually X's and O's as well as the kind of GM kind of style of coaching. Um, and what? Best case scenario, he's amazing. The team rallies around. Also, best case scenario, he's horrible, and they get the first overall pick. Like, I mean, it's kind of a win-win, no-risk scenario. Yeah, it's – I don't know. I I thought it was really odd um, to, to pull Saturday out, of all people, especially after firing the offensive coordinator uh, last week. I mean, I just – I kind of wonder where Irsay's head is at right now because, you know, I don't know. Do you think – do you think the Matt Ryan benching, did that come from hearsay, or is it, was that Frank Wright? So from what I right. well, from what you I understand know, with Ryan, right. with Ryan it had to do with this contract, right? So if he if he got injured uh while he was playing, they he they were kind of locked in with him. Whereas if he didn't if he doesn't get injured, then they're they're not necessarily tied. Dan, you're more the contract guy, but I think that was where the decision came from to play him. Um, I guess I got a dumb question, you know, Mr. Who's making that decision? Is it the GM or is it the owner? Is it Ursay making that decision on the coach? Yeah, man, I think that's what Dan's asking. I think it's a good question. But I mean, hey, when if you knew that your seat was even warm, you're not putting in Erlinger. You've seen him in practice. He's a sixth rounder. That doesn't give you the best chance to win. And turns out a coach rarely ever survives a tank job. With the t- team refreshing, you're getting a new coach. That makes me think that, like, there's no way that Frank Reich really believed that, like, hey, Sam Erlinger was my best chance of winning this year. That's bullshit. So that makes me believe that this was over his head. And um, he probably fought back. Like, there were probably some closed-door conversations that, like, obviously he knew he could see the writing on the wall. Um, he'll get a, he'll, he'll 100% get a great, you know, an offensive coordinator job somewhere else, and he'll be a great hire for it. Um I don't know if he gets an immediate head coaching job right away. Um, we'll see, but yeah. Yeah, you, you kind of almost wonder if uh, Ray maybe forced his way out behind closed doors because obviously he's not going to quit because then that would void the rest of his contract. Um, you know, whereas I'm, I'm sure that his contract was uh, fully guaranteed. So, you know, it for him, it made sense to be fired rather than to quit. And maybe he just, you know, made it impossible to do anything other than fire. I don't know. You got to wonder. Deion Jackson's a guy I know I felt good about going into the weekend with with JT uh, out. Do we see JT back this year or with kind of the way we see the Colts going as a whole? Do you think they shelf him, Dan? Or or what are your thoughts with uh, no? No, I don't think so. I mean, unless this injury is worse than they're letting on, I, I think it is in their best interest to give him absolutely as much time as he needs to get fully healthy, not just, yeah, I can, you know, I've, I've rode my dirt on it and now I can go back in. Uh, you know, I, I think it's in his interest and in the team's interest to just say, you know what, we're going to put you on the shelf for three, four, or five weeks, whatever it takes, but then we're going to get you out there at the end of the season, you know, uh, still try to put some butts in seats and, and, and things like that. But um uh, I, I don't think there's really much of a need to totally shut him down. Uh, what do you think, Justin? No, I mean, it's a mid-high ankle sprain. Those things are dirty. They're still going to keep you out traditionally four to six weeks. That's why it was always interesting when it was like, wait, he might actually be back next week or the week after, like when the initial yeah. reports were like that mid-high ankle. So I wouldn't be shocked if it was, hey, in that kind of four-week area. And if you want to play it a little safe because you don't have the need for him right now, sure, go for it. I don't know. I've been, I've been ringing the bell for the past – literally since preseason that like, Hey, JT should not be where he is. I was first, it was CMC over him. Okay. That's not much. Still had him two overall, but very quickly after right when the Matt Ryan decision was made, that's was like, he doesn't have the efficiency. Like last year he led the league in red zone touches. I think it was with 83. And then second behind that was Gibson at 49. 
that's where his value came from. Touchdowns, efficiency. You're not getting touchdowns on this team. It's probably the worst offense in the league right now with Ellinger at the helm. Uh, I'm not even sure he should be like a top 15 running back, top 20 running back when healthy right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, it's and, and Ellinger's not really throwing a lot of passes uh, to the running backs either. So, I mean, you know, between those two things, that that pretty well uh, eviscerates um, JT and and pretty much everybody else in the offense for that matter. I mean, there's there's nobody I'm really excited about in this offense anymore. How about you? What did what did you do with Pittman? You you spent like a second, third round on him. He's given you you know. 10, 10 and 12 points the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I, I think you just got to, you know, you got to deal know. with what the new reality is. Um, you know, and and the reality is he does have Ellinger for his quarterback and the team is not good. And you just have to take a look at who your other receivers are. And maybe it's worthwhile to play some, some of them or one of them over Pittman. Maybe it's not. You know, every team is going to be a little bit different, I think. Um. Oh, I lost my thought. Anyways, let's go. Let's go to the Jets, man. I mean, talk about talk about a feel good story, right? I mean, you, you know, they made a big change with Sally, Sally going there. Um, I mean, it's hard not to like what that guy brings to the team. And, and obviously the guys are following right now. It, they pull off a big upset uh, against Buffalo. Other than than Carter, now that Hall's out and, and Garrett Wilson. Um, Justin, we were we were big Elijah Moore guys here. I uh, even thought he was a value at some points in the offseason in, in drafts and, and ended up with quite a bit of them. Uh, oh, yeah, I've got the sound effect ready. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the Jets? I mean, obviously, football feel good story, but how do we approach this fantasy wise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good offense and I think it's in their DNA that they want to run. They want to kind of win games while, you know, protecting Zach Wilson, not letting him lose the games for them. Um, and honestly, they're an efficient enough team that they can do that. And so when I think about it from a fantasy sense, like, yeah, Garrett Wilson, we knew he had the talent. We were a little concerned early on about him because of Elijah Moore, because of Corey Davis, because of their maybe, you know, desire to run. Um, but like, you know, Davis has been hurt. Elijah Moore has been Elijah Moore. Um, so like Garrett Wilson has risen, you know, his talents allowed him to kind of earn those targets, become the alpha. So he still has a major opportunity there uh, from a running game. Like, yeah, Michael Carter, but honestly, I think James Robinson, I think is a, probably one of the top handcuffs in the game right now, if Michael Carter was to go down. Um, we saw James Robinson obviously get the touchdown last week. They haven't been too shy to bring him in, even with that knee injury. Um, and this is just a team that like is going to be putting up points just because of you know what kind of games and sh you know, the shootout style nature that their games become, that, hey, if something was to happen to Michael Carter, um, I don't hate James Robinson. Dan, we made some moves for, for Conklin and tight end preems. I know you, you and I did, and then uh, I also made um... – couple trades gave us a big 1.7 uh, fantasy points. Is he just like a boomer bust kind of guy? Do you still like Conklin uh, relative to the, the rest of the position? <laughs> yeah. Relative to the rest of the position. <laughs> that's why I threw that in there. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's the key words that uh, we need to keep in mind. Yeah. I, I mean, Conklin is what he is. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, very boom and bust, you know, his very game script, game plan dependent, uh, you know, Buffalo, just was not the right script or the game plan for him. I don't I don't think they were planning to feature the tight ends. They didn't feature the tight ends. That's just the way it went. Uh, you know, week nine with six teams on by and a bunch of tight ends hurt, you do what you got to do. And uh, for some of us, that was Conklin. But, uh, you know, that, I don't have any great confidence in starting him going forward. I also know that if I'm in need of a spot start from a tight end, I'll throw him in there because he could get me you know, 15 points. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Justin? Yeah. I mean, those first three games when you didn't have Zach Wilson, he actually had a little level of consistency. He was kind of, you know, earning those targets and putting up some decent yards. And I think since Zach Wilson has started, I think four out of the six games, he's had 22 or fewer yards. There's just no consistency. Yeah. I mean, you picked him up the week after he had obviously the 10 targets, I think six catches and two TDs or so. Like, obviously that's an amazing game. And so maybe that gives us at least hope that, there could be a game, a schematic system where it's like, hey, for this game, we're going to go for it. But no, I mean, I'm not looking for someone who 22 yards most and four out of the last six was Zach Wilson. He's not a part of the offense for a majority of games. And that, hey, tight end premium, bottom of the barrel, buys, you need someone to start. 
maybe you have a little upside, but like you got to expect that that floor is virtually zero. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, even when I was bidding on him last week, it was kind of, you know, like, I don't feel great about this, but you know, what else is there right now? So, yeah, uh, you know, I did what I had to do there. Green Bay guys, uh, you know, Rogers going up against the worst defense, uh, throwing up two picks. I know at least one of them was in the red zone. I can't remember if the other one was um, off the top of my head, but I, I joked in the show off sheet. Off the top of your head, I like that because that's how the interception was, yes. literally <laughs> off the top of his head. <laughs> Where's my air horn? Dan, I got to give you uh, access to these sound effects while I'm talking. But um, I, I made a joke that I dropped Aaron Rodgers last week in, in my one of my FFPC dinos for Justin Fields off of waivers. And it was just the upside. Like, I just, I just don't see – it's kind of like – you know, if, whether you're in the stocks or crypto or whatever investing, you're just seeing like one go one way and one's going the other. And that's kind of how I felt where Fields had lost a lot of his value and he was at a really good price as as you see by him being on the waiver wire. And then Rodgers was kind of going the other way. Couldn't get you over 20 points uh, consistently in the teens and didn't look like it was going to get any better, especially with, you know, lack of weapons there. So where are we with Green Bay moving forward, Justin? Where are we with Rodgers? Is there hope for this offense moving forward, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, what, Packers are 3-6. and six. I think they've got about a 5% chance to make the playoffs. I mean, they barely have enough weapons. I mean, offensive weapons when they're healthy. Then you add all these injuries, Watson in, out, concussion. You've got, you know, Romeo with, what, getting the carded off the field. You've got Aaron Jones, who maybe is going to be back next week. Like, they can't survive any form of injuries when how little depth they have and then even the top of the house like isn't great like Lazard is honestly I, I was someone who was not really on the Lazard train this year um but he's actually looked pretty decent when healthy he's been efficient um so maybe that's one that like you know one lone bright spot maybe Aaron Jones still but like overall I mean what a amazing spot against Detroit like that should have been Detroit's literally given up anything to everyone teams have done their way with them without a doubt and um what, what just an ugly, ugly appearance. And I mean, hey, if you're three and six, like what? You really think Rodgers is going to be put, being putting all of his heart into this when they're four and eight? Like it's it, it's bad. Um, I'm sure we're still going to see a couple good games here and there. Like I think Aaron Jones, I still have, is probably the only one I still have confidence in just because the previous two games since Rodgers came out and said he wanted to simplify the offense, like Aaron Jones has been the focal point of it. Um, but beyond that, like, yeah, it's it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, be be watching with uh, Aaron Jones. I mean, uh, the Green Bay medical staff is notoriously conservative. So even though you know they say, oh, I think he's going to be okay and all that, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he misses this next week. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. That's just a guess, but uh, you know, and it, it, as you were saying, Justin, uh, I I have a fair amount of confidence in Lazard. I mean, he's the one guy I think that that Rogers really trusts. Um, I think he was trying to get himself there with Dubes. I don't think he was there with Dubes, but he was he was at least making the attempt, which is unusual for Rodgers. I mean, normally Rodgers just waits until you know somebody basically proves to him that they're they're worthy of his, his attention. Um, but I I thought Dubes was doing really well. So you know the high ankle sprain that's that's not good news for him. Uh, you know he's he's probably out for you know I'm guessing five, six weeks, something like that, which is going to, you know, he won't be coming back before their bye for sure. Uh, you know, so you may be talking about the fantasy playoffs before you even have Dubes back if, if he's able to come back that quick. Uh, yeah. what, did, what did you think about Dubes, uh, Justin, before he went down with that, with that ankle? I mean, I just don't think he's been consistent enough. And I think Rogers' comments two weeks ago are probably the uh, the biggest kind of signal we got where he's like, hey, we need to get people who are the ones who can play. We need to mix them in. And uh, I personally think he was talking directly about dudes. Um, then you have a week that Romeo's a little like the only healthy wide receiver. I think maybe Sammy Watkins came back or something. And he actually had that nice touchdown. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of was like, uh, okay, maybe Romeo can do this. Maybe we give him another chance. And then to have that injury, like, that's just tough. Um, I think the, AJ, the Aaron Jones one is interesting. If Aaron Jones doesn't play next week, let's say the injury is a little stronger than you know they're letting on. Uh, I think it's against the Cowboys. Where do we rank AJ Dillon? Um, because preseason, you tell me Aaron Jones is out. That's why you were drafting AJ Dillon. We were thinking top five, top seven running back potential if Aaron Jones is out. 
where would you guys put him if uh, against that Dallas strong defense this week if no Aaron Jones? I don't really have any confidence in putting him in my lineups anywhere. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he's definitely no better than like running back 15, and he's probably worse than running back 20 even. Uh, you know, without having really looked a lot ahead at, uh, at what, the, what the matchups are this week, you know, I I can think of a lot of backs I would feel a lot better starting against no matter who their opposition is uh, versus starting A.J. Dillon. What are your thoughts, J.D.? Yeah, one thing I learned from you, Dan, is sometimes you got to wait till guys show you uh, what you want from them before you put them in your starting lineup. A.J. Dillon, as much as, I mean, we were some of the biggest A.J. Dillon fanboys on this show for the past couple of years. Uh, just love everything he brings to the table. But now in this offense, after what we saw what they did against a Detroit defense, I mean, yes, even if Aaron Jones is not around, obviously opportunity increases, but you know, it's 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 iffy in Green Bay right now. So similar to Dan, my trust level is very low on this offense. So if I have better options and you know, you got some some surprise kind of late round running backs right now that you can throw in that are producing even better than the six points that Aaron Jones gave you or five point whatever AJ Dillon gave you, um, you can probably find better options right now and wait till till AJ Dillon shows you that he can kind of manhandle this uh you know, this opportunity. I'll I'll put Justin on the spot. Jeff Wilson or uh, A.J. Dillon next week? If no Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Um, if, if Aaron Jones plays, I'll think Jeff Wilson. And, uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson's one that I definitely want to talk about. I, you know, hopefully we get a chance to talk about Who do they play next week, Dan? Wilson? Um, great question. I don't remember. Um, I'll get you that. Right, yeah, yeah I know I know. Wilson Wilson was a guy a lot of the Sharps were on for this week just because he's going to a familiar offense, even though he's on a new roster. So he was kind of like that sneaky prop bet uh, that you could throw in there this weekend. Again, they didn't like I mean, what they saw from Mostert, so they're throwing in Wilson. And, and you, you would think that that increases as he, you know, gets more time in, in, in this uh, on this team. Yeah, it was very close this week, but Jeff Wilson had more snaps, more routes, and more opportunity than Mostert this week. Very, very close. Almost like a 55-45 split. But that being Jeff Wilson's first game on this team, yes, it's a very familiar system. Obviously, Mike McDonald back in San Francisco. Um, but like, and he looked good. So I think this is going to continue to be more of a, hey, Jeff Wilson becomes a bit more of the running guy. Probably going to get like 65-35 of the carries. Mostert will then probably play a little more in the passing game. But like, that's not that valuable of a role from what we've been seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm very bullish on Wilson. I think like, hey, as that team continues to thrive from Miami standpoint, maybe as we start getting a bit more cold weather, yes, they're down in Miami, but on the road and such um, might see them kind of lean a bit more, um, at least allocate that, you know, use that run a little more. And I think Wilson's kind of uh, that flash in the pan opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Not the poster. It's not, I mean, fastest guy in the league, but yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, last week in uh, managed leagues, a lot of, a lot of people dropped Jeff Wilson. Well, I shouldn't say last week, two weeks ago. Uh, after the Christopher McCaffrey trade, a lot of people dropped Wilson in managed leagues. Uh, you know, and I kind of get why. Um, but he was somebody that was like, well, I'm going to hold on to him, you know, at least until they get to the bye. And, you know, then I'll, then I'll figure it out from there. So that when he got traded to Miami, you know, the shares that I had, I still held. Uh, and I was looking to pick him up everywhere. Uh because I figured there was no way he was going to get any cheaper than he was right then. I mean, even though everybody knew he was going to Miami, everybody knew he was going to a familiar coach. Uh, you know, I figured if it, if if even one good game happens, uh, you know, the price is going to skyrocket. Uh, either that, or he won't be available at all. So um, I, w- I was more than happy to get, a, you know, add a little bit to the Wilson portfolio there. Yeah, I mean, so I put a tweet about this earlier today, but I think like one of my biggest takeaways from this week's action is when we are evaluating post trades like well first off now the nfl is actually turning to the nba and like there's actually trades happening at the deadline which is fantastic and so much fun for us as fans uh but then it's okay how do we assess this and this past like my rapid reaction is we should actually assume a net positive for the players traded because yes it is a clear signal the team wants that player they're trading for that player but even in the small sample size of what we have for this weekend like those players thrived from a usage standpoint. Like we saw Hawkinson having probably what his second best game of the year, besides that crazy one. I don't know the exact Dan. numbers, but You're I think welcome, it was like, 
<laughs> might have been nine, nine, nine reception, 90 yards, something like that. A great game. Yep. Um, that, then what else did we have? We had, oh, there was one other really successful. Okay. Well, Jeff Wilson is the one there. So I was, yeah. I was going to say Wilson. Upward. Um, and then even Claypool, Clay, what, do, what do you think about Claypool? Claypool. I mean, he, he does, he does show the direction that the team's going. They took away from the defense. They add a receiver. So you, you know, that helps to, to fields is kind of, uh, um, what do you call him? Breakout or whatever you want to call this past weekend. So what do, what do you think about Claypool with, with Chicago and what does that tell us? Yeah. So Leone and I were going back and forth in this with the Claypool situation, because I think like from a median projection, this is a week ago, we were talking a median projection, his value actually goes down because you were just getting so many more pass attempts in Pittsburgh. But my argument was, okay, but from a variance standpoint, from like a range of outcomes, it goes up a lot more because we don't know the unknown of what's going to happen in Chicago. And one of those scenarios is actually Chicago has a desire to be more pass heavy, to be more explosive. And Claypool could be the key piece that kind of triggers that. That's what happened. Also, there was just the scenario that, well, maybe he actually takes over the Darnell Mooney role and becomes like an alpha in that offense. Like we're, we're just not sure. We knew what our upside was with Pickett in that Pittsburgh offense. We didn't know in Chicago. And from what we saw this week and like what fields is maybe starting to unlock with this offense, I think it could be a major elevation. Like, no, he's not going to become like in a wide receiver one or anything, but he is far more startable going forward than he's been anytime this season. And he even got a carry uh, this this weekend, which is nice. You know, a little, little Debo action mm-hmm. going on there. Dan, I was just teasing because I finally got a, a sit start, right? I, I don't even remember who we put him in over, but I was like, hey, we should throw TJ Hawk in there. Finally yeah. paid off. We finally got one. Yep. Yeah, I, I, you know, that that was one of those moves that once, uh, you know, when the Vikings said, hey, we're going to we're gonna use him as much as we can, then it was like, okay, yeah, let's get him in there. Especially in that offense, there's yeah. there's room for him to you know get the, the attention. Yeah, if nothing else, this this highlights highlights what a disappointment Irv Smith was. Uh, you know, he, he he as a Vikings fan, waste of a second round pick. I mean, it happens. We move on, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Vikings will be moving on from Irv Smith, um, and you know, I I think probably he'll he'll generate some kind of excitement somewhere. Uh, next year, wherever he goes, and I think I will not partake in that excitement. So that's where I'm at on that one. Yeah, second second contract tight ends have an opportunity, you know, have a history of kind of breaking out a little. Um, I think for me as a kind of fantasy player, the Hawkinson success is a bit bittersweet because we've liked Irv because we've known there's a major opportunity and role there behind that number that number three spot like it's a very concentrated offense always has been and especially this year new coach coming in it's like hey we're expecting to be more pass heavy obviously jefferson's gonna eat his feeling year over year his yards per route run his efficiency has decreased so even more so like what it's not going to be we're not expecting like a third wide receiver to kind of take over there there was that opportunity for Irv, and so yeah Irv just time over time cannot stay healthy unfortunate um, if they're really able to, you know, use Hawk in the way that kind of we expected, like I think there's a major opportunity here. Yeah, and, and Irv just wasn't earning the targets even when he was healthy too, and that's you know because that's the thing, like Hawk could legitimately, you know, he could legitimately be, be the second most targeted player in that offense moving forward. Um, you know, you could definitely see him targeted more than Thielen, um, KJ Osborne, not even a question. Uh, you know, uh, last week notwithstanding, Dalvin Cook uh, rarely looks that interested when he's asked to catch a pass. Um, he did haul. Look, he looked like it looked like a receiver this weekend. Grab, but uh, yeah, it's just I, I don't know. I've never I've never been great on uh, Cooks as a receiver. He just I don't know. He, he looks a little nonchalant out there when he's out in the pass pattern. But uh, maybe that's just me. Shout, shout, shout out to Joe Carlton in the chat. Uh, he's he's driving off on his way to a poker tournament that he's about to crush uh, as he listens to the Go District. We appreciate uh, Joe and all of you in the chat. Guys, check out the FFPC right now. Maybe it's week nine and, and some of your leagues, you're out of contention. You know, don't keep building. Don't stop building and trading uh, if you're in Dynasty. But check out myffpc.com right now, guys. They, they have the FFPC Weekly Challenge. They have two price buy-ins, $35, $200. So you're going up to 10 grand guys right now on a weekly basis playing myffpc.com, playing fantasy. So go check it out. Use the link in the description below. If it's not there now, it'll be there uh, soon after the show. 
Guys, let's go to Miami. I mean, this was another one, you know, looking back, you think, duh, how can they not, uh, how can Tua not give give this to us with with those two receivers, those two beasts, record-breaking beasts uh, at, at receiver right now? We're, I guess you've got Tua, you've got the two receivers. What else are you looking at in this offense is, is my question, Justin. Gusecki's, you know, similar to what we said with Conklin, some games he's there, some games he's not. Who else do you like in this offense? And do we see the three uh, keep going at this rate the rest of the season? Yeah. Um, and we talked about Jeff Wilson. I, he's the one that I probably think has like the highest rocket ship opportunity um, from my excitement level based off kind of over, overall expectations. I don't think he's going to run away with a job. I think it'll be a one-two punch, but I just don't think most people are kind of realizing that, hey, like Jeff Wilson has the opportunity to be kind of the 1A in this offense. Uh, from a Gasicki standpoint, what he has four touchdowns, I think the difference between him and like a Conklin is the offense and the way that the offense actually scores. Um, and so, yes, like it is going to be hit or miss with Gasicki, but it's in an offense that's extremely explosive and is scoring a ton more touchdowns, especially uh, passing touchdowns than the Jets. And so that's where like I'd be far more likely to say like, hey, I need a spot star from Gasicki. Like I think outside of those probably top like what five, six tight ends. Um, Gesicki's just as good as any of the others because of the offense that he's in there. Uh, try the thing that I've been trying to play in my head is if we get an injury to Tyreek or Waddle, what does this offense look like? I'm not quite sure. Like Trent Sherfield has the next in targets on, I think it's still on like 25 or so. Uh, before the season, we were thinking like Cedric Wilson, maybe, but he hasn't really had much of a role. Um, and so I'm not sure that anyone really elevate because it's this isn't one of those offenses where it's like, okay, so you're losing. Juju, so McCall Hardman's going to get increased touches or like something like that, like you know, just a rinse and replace. Tyreek and Waddle are the playmakers. Like the success comes because of them. So having Cedric Wilson getting more touches doesn't really just replace what you're getting out of those two. So I think it's just like a maybe like we're seeing with Cincinnati, where you lose Jamar Chase and the offense kind of changes. One week it really sucks, and then the next week it just becomes really run heavy. And so that's where like I always am looking for like, hey, contingent players upon an injury, but I'm just not sure you see it from a wide receiver. Um, maybe Gasicki gets an extra reception or two, or maybe they become like a bit more run heavy. I'm not sure. Is that then just the offense trying to become more unpredictable when they're missing their biggest off- offensive piece or weapon? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if you have Hill and Waddle there, you don't necessarily need to change the offense. But then if one's gone, now you got to kind of make it more unpredictable, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that definitely makes sense. But you also have to find out what's working because that's going to, you know, just not having those those two guys is going to fundamentally change um, how defenders are handling the other players as well. Um, you know, so if, if they only have one to worry about instead of two, that, that could be a big difference. So, uh, you know, the one thing I like is that, you know, Mike McDaniel has seemed pretty sharp about how he put this offense together. You know, he's got the thing rolling. He's making good use out of his best piece. You know, he, he's basically maximizing uh, the talent available to him. And, you know, when I see something like that, I have some confidence that, you know, if, uh, if something goes awry, you know, and somebody gets injured, uh, that he'll probably be able to find a way to to kind of duct tape it all back together and and keep it going you know not maybe at the same level but at least at a, a decent level let me ask you guys this rest of season i'll go to the tight end whisperer first justin first i'll go to, to dan just because you know he's got the flow he's got the tight end thing gasecki or conklin rest of season dan oh gasecki no question um, so so crazy that you answered so quickly and and justin agreed you look at their snap shares Conklin's way ahead. He's yeah. 80, 90 percent all the time. And and Gasicki's anywhere from 40, high 40s to the 70s. So it's curious that uh, is it just because of the offense? I mean, a, a snap isn't a, like not all snaps are, are equal, especially for, sure. for, for tight sure. ends yeah. more than probably any other position. Um, even though routes run, I would imagine Conklin has a higher routes run than Gasicki because we've seen that like, hey, you're still using Durham Smythe. You're still using your other tight ends in Miami. For me, it's purely just uh, yes his touches are more valuable because they're more willing to use them in the end zone. Like you look at the wide receivers, they don't have that big body wide receiver. Like some other teams do like Waddle and Tyreek, their speed, their finesse guys. Um, so it helps to have Gesicki there as an end, as a red zone target. Um, 
the Jets, like, yeah, they want to run first down there. They're more efficient there. And uh, you know, when they're healthy, like Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, great red zone threats. Great, great call with the route runs because you're right. More consistent with uh, with Gesicki. Uh Conklin 27 this this past weekend, but or the past three games prior to that was was a lot lower than uh, than uh, Gesicki. Yeah, and, and and the thing is with Conklin, I mean, he still has to deal with uh, Uzuma, who's can be kind of a thorn in his side a little bit too. Uh, you know, because they definitely can send some some targets that way as well. So, yeah, for me, it's the same as Justin. I mean, it's just the um, you know, the potential value of each target that Gasicki gets is so much higher than the, the potential value of the Conklin target. So another kind of, you know, wonderful surprise, whether you're fantasy or football right now, is you got to love see, seeing Gino and Pete kind of take over the NFC, especially the NFC West, where the Rams and, uh, you know, you, you, you didn't think, I guess, that Seattle would be one of those top teams in that division, and they are right now. And they're putting up a lot of points. Does Gino keep keep going uh, at this pace, Justin, with, with Pete? Do you see this offense continuing? Uh, and who are some of your favorite pieces in this offense moving forward? Just to be clear, you say I got to love. I love this for Gino. I do not love this for Pete Carroll. There is nothing <laughs> about that I have to love this for Pete Carroll. But for Gino, Tyler Lockett, DK, Kenneth Walker, like love it for all of them. Love them for fantasy. And honestly – yeah, we're still, we're at week 10. They're still the most probably underrated offense in the league. Uh, I'm seeing it in the kind of drafts that I do the best ball. There's still like, you know, uh, playoff best ball happening. And like, people are just completely disregarding them. Um, that I, I'm, I'm buying all parts of the offense. Um, I think so. I'm a Wake Forest guy. Kenneth Walker went there as well. And so we're getting into the nitty gritty of like kind of the Kenneth Walker analysis preseason and whether or not he can become a pass catching back. And so like, um, Initially, it was uh, JJ Zacharyson and I were kind of chatting on this. And, you know, his models and stuff were saying, like, hey, he didn't love Kenneth Walker because he didn't expect Kenneth Walker to catch any passes. Uh, but, like, I think you need to dive a little further. And if you look like, hey, his first two years with Wake Forest, they play a mesh-style offense, which is a delay option, which means pretty much every time you hike it, the running back stands next to the quarterback for a solid second or two while the QB reads the defense and then either hands it off or throws pretty much a deep ball. And in that offense, there's no opportunities for a running back to ever catch passes because the running back's literally standing next to the quarterback until the quarterback decides to throw or a handoff. Then he goes to Michigan State, Michigan State, far more of a ground and pound. And like you just there just weren't that opportunities. What I love about what we're seeing with Kenneth Walker is he is actually showing, I think it was another four targets or so yet um this past weekend. Um, he is able to catch the ball they want him to be a core piece of that like yes they're still using travis homer dj dallas aspects but i think as the season goes on that's going to get decreased just because you want the opportunity for kenneth walker to have the ball in his hands um i'm buying all parts of this offense except the frustrating maybe tight end situation but even then like i'd probably take noah fant over both gasicki and conklin the rest of the season oh hot a hot a hot take First, some serious droppage right there, guys. Make sure you're following Justin Herzig and make sure you're smashing that like because that was a sweet take with Walker catching passes. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Seattle offense? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically Seattle, you know, they they called the fantasy community Jon Snow. They said, you know nothing, Jon Snow, um, <laughs> at the beginning of the year. So um, it, it is what it is. I love seeing it. Uh, you know, I, it, I, I like rooting for... Uh, Lockett, Metcalf, uh, even Gino. I mean, what a great story that is. Uh, as Justin said, Pete, maybe not so much, but everybody else definitely. In the Seattle tight end, um, I don't know, Justin. I, I'll i take Kaseki over Fant just because. I would too. I had a time to say I mean, I just guess wrong on the Seattle tight end every week. You know, like I've, I've tried my hand at Disley. I've tried my hand at Fant. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to stick Fant in here or, you know, what what I need to do is I need to have teams that just have Fant and teams that just have Disley and start them both every week and forget about it. So that's all I can do. If I think Fant, I'll say this, Fant's ceiling is higher, I think. Oh, yeah. um, and we are, like, yesterday, I think he went five for six for 96 yards. A couple games ago, he went two, two duds before that, but then a couple good games before that. So, like, there is, as you say, it's the hit or miss, it's the ping pong. Um, 
But like, yeah, I love that offense and I want him and maybe it's me more wish casting. Um, so I, I think I'd actually go Gasicki Fant Conklin. I, I would go Fant above Conklin just because yeah. I know what I'm getting from an upside um, with Fant, like from a potential role. I think that's fair. Let us know in the comments, guys, uh, how you rank these tight ends. You know, like we said, this position is tricky this year. So if you can figure it out, that's an edge, you know, and that, that might be the edge you need to, to take down your league. Um, I'm trying to look it up online. I'll look it up as as I uh, as I pass the mic to you, uh, Justin. Talking about Gino, talking about MVPs. You know, this year's a little different right now, so far. So, in your eyes, at this point of the season, is Josh Allen still number one for MVP? Is it is it Jalen Hurts? Who's your kind of top three right now? I guess for MVP. Yeah, so going into this past week, Josh Allen had started the season number one and remained number one all throughout. Uh, this is the first week that Jalen Hurts did overtake Josh Allen for number one from a Vegas odds standpoint. Um, it is still a very clear top three with a Mahomes, Lamar, um, and Hurts. Um, I think, like, yeah, Gino is the fun one. Gino would be awesome. But I think for Gino to really win this, that team needs to win probably could be 14 games uh and i think that's a little too much when what jalen hurts like from an undefeated aspect from that their schedule is fantastic as well so like i think jalen hurts is and deservedly so the clear front runner no his stats are not going to be as gaudy as we've seen in other years and a lot of that's because like they can take the foot off the gas during the second half a little and that's not his fault but they're still getting the wins and so I think if that team continues as they are, finishes at the one seed in the NFC, finishes at what, like 15 and two, 14 and three, um, I think it'd be hard not to give it to him, given what we've seen out of um, just that whole team. But I think it's pretty clearly going to be one of those three, um, unfortunately, for Gino. Yeah, I, I, I think the way it's going right now definitely hurts is the most likely. Guys, we got questions from the chat. We'll get to them really quick. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We will answer them. Justin, remind the peeps all the goodness. For those who don't know, Justin's a badass DFS, badass, taking down some serious six-digit prizes. The man drops some serious goodness. If you're not already following him, at Justin Herzig. Tell the peeps what's coming up on or what's going on on, on the moment and what you're dropping at ETR. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, we're mid-season, things are going fun. Um, for the ETR kind of stuff, just continue to pop out each week. We have the rest of season rankings, when best ball playoffs start coming, be it more content than that. I've got some weekly shows as well with these battle royales, some of the most fun that I've been having with uh, um, with some of the still like kind of drafts and taking your you know everyday knowledge rather than having to do the grind of the leagues, or the DFS or things like that. And then on the own-the-moment side, uh, we're building out the kind of the, the home for Web3 sports fans. So anyone that is in kind of that Web3 NFT space, feel free to reach out. Happy to kind of educate. Then taking people that I know from the fantasy football world, the DFS world, and kind of just kind of introducing them to this uh, this new era. So we got a question, Dan. I know I know Komet's a guy we were big on. And uh, I, I tried to make moves for him the last couple of weeks and just couldn't get anything going. Uh, one of my offers was still sitting on the table with Madman in the goats versus pros. And then of, of course he blows up then uh, where we got a question from um, 1912. He's asking, what are we doing? Uh, he wants to know from the tight end uh, whisper, what are we doing with Komet? Well, it, it just took me rage dropping him in a, in a few leagues to get him going. <laughs> so, you know, just yeah, tell me left. Everybody with your commit shares, you can thank me. Um, I don't <laughs> your favor with that. Now, uh, yeah, obviously, I was big on commit going into the season. Uh, you know, no lie about that. I, th I, I thought that they would, it, it would not take them until like week eight to start figuring out how to use commit, how to use Justin Fields in the passing game, you know, just how to run that offense. Um, I, I thought they might go in with a better idea than what they had, but apparently they needed a bye week to, to kind of get everything, uh, figured out, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I think Komet's back in play, but he's still going to be boom or bust. Like if I'm ranking Komet around Gasecki and Fant, um, I, I don't know, probably behind Gasecki and Fant, but still in front of Conklin. Um, uh, what do you think on that, Justin? Yeah, I don't think that's that bad. Um, 
I mean, what he's he, all, this is the first time that he had more than I think four targets was this past right. week. Um, we're obviously we're a little biased because he got three touchdowns in the past two games. If I'm betting on Komet, it's that, hey, I think this team becomes more pass heavy and that what we saw last week like is going to be a bit more of the norm. Um, I think I I think I like where you said, like, yeah, probably around the Noah Fant standpoint. And again, it's I want the upside case for if this Justin Fields does become like a 2021, you know, Eagles are 2022 Bears, and that really this is just a new version of the offense that we haven't seen unlock. I'm just very hesitant to believe that because only after one week, I'm throwing to the side the Cole Komet touchdown from two weeks ago because even in that game, I think he still only had like two targets for 11 yards and one was a touchdown. So, like, that's not a success by my standards. This week is the one that, like, post Claypool trade, Fields really un- unloading it. Like, is this the future that we can have for Komet? Because if so, like, he's he's still a core part of that offense. It's just there's been no passing. And yeah. Claypool, a big red zone guy, guy right? Um, quick, quick couple question, guys. We'll do a quick yes or no here. Uh, Crazy Eight Cousins, should I trade Amari and Saquon for Stevenson and Cup? Justin. Amari, I'm, I'm a visual learner. I'm looking for this. This Here, let me put it up. Sorry, man. That's my yeah, bad, my bad, my bad. Bad production, okay. my part. Amari and Saquon for Stevenson and Cup. Um, ooh, I yes. that, that's tough, but I pretty I'd fair, right? Stay with Amari and Saquon. Dan, I, I'll, I'll make that trade. Uh, I I think Stevenson yeah. is is getting more and more uh, entrenched as the main guy in New England, and that's that's what that's based on. Uh, and and Cup is just you know he's like a guaranteed twenty point minimum every week. It seems like so. Um, I'll, I'll take that over Amari. I mean, I know you've got, you know, Deshaun Watson coming back and all that, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be a seamless trans- transition when uh, Deshaun comes back. So yeah. The one thing I'll say about Stevenson is he gave me a little hesitation this week where we thought this was going to be like, hey, his huge week, but he ended up with 15 targets and seven, 15 carries and seven targets. And like, yeah, you still like that out of your running back. But they were also subbing in, like, you know, when Damian Harris wasn't there and still right. using that kind of rotating um, drive scheme. So I think, like, we should accept that there is a bit of an upside, uh, a cap, a ceiling on Stevenson that maybe a week ago I wouldn't have accepted it was there. Yeah, Wheeler makes a good point. Uh, Stevenson side for, for Dynasty. I was going to say, I like a pivot. And if you're going to pivot off of Barkley, I like Stevenson as that pivot. And then the difference you make up in the going from Amari to Cup. The only thing I would say, uh, Cup, I think, is a good buy right now, but Amari could see an increase in value when Watson comes back. That's that's kind of the only, you know, you're, you're kind of selling. But, I mean, dude's produced, right, even without Watson. So, uh, real quick, 1912, big fan of the show. He's asking, are we carry, are we worried about Swift as we, uh, as we close this out? Justin, you have any worries? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, that team, whether or not it's true or not, that team doesn't believe that he can stay healthy. And so they have made it very clear that they are going to limit his workload if there's any chance, if there's any risk of him being hurt. And so in a basically a lost season, um, I'm very concerned that like one, they're very happy with Jamal Williams. They see a lot of value in him, both from a red zone standpoint, but just his role in general. And two, they're going to be delicate with Swift. So yeah, Swift with 15 touches could still put up RB1 numbers, but I'm concerned that he's ever going to be getting his full workload um, the rest of the season. Dan, yeah. and add, close us out. 100% same, 100%. Shout out to the chat. Justin, it's always a blast having you, man. We appreciate you taking the time with us, especially uh, before a big game tonight on a Monday. Mind the peeps, at Justin Herzig, at Own the Moment, and you can find his DFS goodness at ETR. Dan, always a pleasure hanging with you. Theo, hope you're having a blast with the fam out there in Disneyland. And uh, Andrew, we know you're rocking La Quinta hard. Guys, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll check you all. Later. Go, get-
district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Justin, I forgot to ask you about tonight's game, man. I noticed the line. I think the line moved a half point, right? It was it was minus one and a half Baltimore. Now it's minus two. Where are you at on this thing? Um, I I, I was taking under. I think go the under. Take the other. Both sides are suffering so much from injuries that you're not going to see like a blowout and a runaway with it. Even if one team gets ahead, I think it's kind of a slower paced game overall. Uh, and both teams are really just trying to get out of here. Just killing my player props, man. I was taking overs on the on the Duvernay yardage on the Olave rece- receptions at five and five and a half, and likely receptions three and a half. I figured they'd go over. Dan, what do you think? Well, I could certainly use a big game out of Olave in several leagues, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with Justin. I think it's probably going to be uh, a little bit of a boring game. Um, I don't think either team is going to really look to air it out a whole lot. Um, we've, we've seen what happens when Andy Dalton airs it out and, uh, you know, Lamar just, I don't think is going to have any reason to. So that's, that's going to keep it kind of, kind of boring and kind of on the ground. All right. Well, now that you guys got me all riled up for the game, (laughs) (laughs) no, no Jarvis, that's good for you all lobby over because he was, uh, he was questionable. Yep. Uh, There you go. That'll help. All right, Justin, man, 